If you knew you were starting a business that would generate you $1 million per year, how much would you be willing to invest today? Travis Ferris is a real estate entrepreneur, sales coach, team leader, public speaker, and community builder. He's done the work with over $500 million in total sales. Now he's welcoming you to the table. But make sure you're ready. The coffee is for closers only. The mindset's the one thing that's going to keep you going. Coffee for Closers is powered by Collab Agents. Here's your host, Travis Ferris. We're live. All right. Thank you, listeners, so much for tuning in to Coffee for Closers powered by Collab Agents. I'm super excited. I have a wonderful guest today, uh, Mr. Chris Harder. I've been tracking you. I can't even remember what when it was like. It might have been 2017. Um, first of all, I mean, massively successful entrepreneur coming from the mortgage space, getting into coaching, mentoring, brand building. Uh, you know, I think you've started and exited some companies as well and then started back up. You have some really cool things going on today with your dinner series that we're going to talk about here towards the end. But at the end of the day, I think Nisa was like, hey, and she actually was like, hey, there's this dude, Chris Harder. Um, Cause, you know, I think she followed a little bit of Lori and yeah. I actually started following you. And that's where I met you is through, I think, For the Love of Money was the first mm-hmm. podcast. Yep. I jammed through all of them. I loved them. I absorbed them. You had great guests. Um, I saw kind of how you started doing things. But Chris, thank you so much for your time, man, and uh, hopping in here. Travis, literally more than my pleasure. I, I'm excited. I'm grateful beyond, man. Awesome. Well, we love to dive into this stuff. So I like to just come right up front with some hooks with the meat, and then we'll kind of loop back around. Um, you know, you came from the mortgage space, so we'll dive into that here in a second. But let's talk about you're literally, I think, utilizing some of your business expertise, entrepreneurship, and your knowledge of the mortgage world. You're starting a direct P2P lending company and app that's going to absolutely revolutionize what's going on. Is that correct? It's tell us a little change bit. change small personal finance forever. And I'll tell you what, it's really going to help those people that get into a tight jam. Like, you know, when really good people that are really good, hardworking people and they're doing all the right things, and all of a sudden they're 500 bucks short or they're a thousand bucks short. We're going to help those people and we're going to you know, take away that fear and that shame of, of being in that situation. But if you want me to share that, I'm probably yeah. going to have to back up a little bit to let you know like where it came from. Is that cool? Absolutely. Please do. So, and uh, what I love about the story is it's a story about like live your truths and good things will show up. And it's a story about follow your hunches because they're probably there for a reason. So it was, God, was it late 2019? Late 2019, I was sitting at my place in Santa Monica and I got a DM. And to give you context, I get 50 to 100 DMs per month from people who are asking for money saying, hey, man, here's my hardship. Could you help me out? I'm in a tough spot. Could you help me out? And it's because I've got a brand that's built around the common thread of generosity and everyone's success stories, right? So they're like, oh, this guy loves generosity. I'm going to ask him for money. Yeah. So I had, I had to make a personal policy that I'm not going to give in the DMs because I don't know what's real. I don't know what's fake. So we give in other ways that are verifiable. But despite having that personal policy, I'm sitting on the couch going through Instagram and I get this DM and I'm like, I got a feeling like a little physical feeling, Travis, I don't know what else to call it, that I should open this DM and answer it. So I did. And it was a landscaper. And he said, Hey, Chris, I listen to your show. I'm grateful for what you put out there. I'm a hardworking landscaper, got my own company. And I'm really embarrassed to be sending this, but I'm two payments behind on my truck. And if I don't come up with $680 right away, then I'm going to lose my truck. And if I lose my truck, 
I've got two really great guys that work for me. They're going to lose their jobs. And so although I'm embarrassed to ask, like, is there any way that you could loan me $680? And so following that feeling, you know, I just responded, hey, stranger. I mean, I didn't call him a stranger, but, you know, hey, stranger, uh, I won't lend you the money, but I will give you the money. All I ask for in return is that you work hard to put yourself in position so that one day you can do this for somebody else. I believe in you. And that was it. So I went to PayPal. I PayPal'd him the money, right? Met on Instagram, PayPal'd him the money and thought I'd never hear from this guy again. Sure enough, two months later, slides back into my DMs. I'm like, oh, great. Here he is asking for more money. But no, it wasn't that at all. He slid in my DMs and he said, hey, listen, I want to let you know what you did for me that day. I took the money. I got current on the truck. Those guys kept their job. And that's great. Like if the story just ended there, that'd be fine. But he goes, something else happened. When you told me that all you wanted in return was to put myself in position to do this for somebody else one day, he goes, that lit a fire in me like I've never felt before. And I have gone absolutely crazy getting as many new landscape jobs as possible to the tune where I am now buying a second truck and I'm going to hire two additional guys. And Travis, I was like, holy crap. So you're telling me $680. And I don't mean to belittle $680. I want to be very clear here. I know to some people it's a mountain. But in the grand scheme of life, it's not a lot of money to create this much change, right? $680 was the difference between this guy going out of business and two guys losing their jobs or this guy catching fire and adding jobs to the economy. And so that was the moment I became obsessed with like, wait a minute. How do I solve this problem? How do I match make? All the hardworking guys and gals like him that just need a bridge, just need a break for once. How do I match make them with all the guys like us, all the people like us that are willing to give them a break? But then how do I incentivize and protect and all those things as well for the people that are willing to lend to them? And that became Frello, a friendlier loan. And it's a two-sided marketplace. I mean, just like Uber has a driver and a rider, this is a lender and a borrower, totally anonymous, helping people out of a jam. And the best part is this, we ensure... Every single small personal loan that is made. So Travis, let's say you lent to somebody on our Frello platform, okay. 500 bucks, and uh, they make one payment of you know 50 bucks back and, and you never hear from them again. So you're out $450. But on our app, we backstop that. At a certain point of delinquency, we credit you back that missing principal so you can be whole again and go make another loan. So, I mean, we have problem solved everything that we could think of. So we can help people get their hands on money a little bit quicker with way less embarrassment, keep them out of those predatory payday lending places and uh, do some good in the world while creating an opportunity to make really good money on the other side. Dang. Yeah. I mean, I think we could probably have a whole episode nerd out on the back end of the the business metrics and do that. Because I'm like, like if, again, not to go to how do you actually ensure that? I mean, are you... Like literally, like what is the insurance that you built in the back end to kind of allow that, if you don't mind? Oh, this is really cool. Yeah. We take a portion of the lender's profit in every single loan that is made, and it goes into an insurance pool to reimburse any delinquencies that uh, happen on the platform. Uh, And I can tell you right now, uh, we reimburse at 45 days past due. So if a loan is 45 days past due, it becomes our problem, not the lender's problem anymore. And we reimburse them in the form of a Frello credit because everyone has Frello wallets, right? Borrowers and lenders, they have Frello, no different than your PayPal wallet or your, your Venmo wallet. And um, we reimburse that wallet and they get to go make another loan again. And we figured out using insurance actuaries and, and our CFO, we figured out 
how much do we need to take from each loan on average in order to protect against the worst case delinquency? And we did all these case studies on when's the worst delinquency in history been for personal loans and credit cards and unsecured loans. And there were two points in history, actually, uh, COVID for the first quarter that COVID hit and second quarter that COVID hit. And then, um, of course, 2008, 2009, when we went through that, uh, since we've been tracking this, those are the two worst moments of delinquency. So we built the model on the worst it's ever been in history. And then, of course, when times are better, that's when it turns into a little bit of a profit center. Awesome. Dude, that's pretty killer. Because again, like the credit crunch, you know, I remember back in what was it like 2015, going in and be like, dude, my credit's good. Like everything's good. My, my, my income's great. Um, DTI, my debt to, to income ratio was, but it was like, they just were like, ah, we don't want to loan you money. Um, so this is going to kind of change the game. Cause also could that gentleman, the landscaper, could he have gone to a bank and said, Hey, I need a loan to get this, you know? Yeah, probably not. Cause here's why, even if you use a lot of the online, um, quick, like personal loan type of options that are out there right now, they use traditional credit scores. And that doesn't paint the whole picture, in my opinion. Yep. They make you send in pay stubs or they do in you know an online income verification check. And sometimes that doesn't match what your income actually is. So there's a lot of time and a lot of burden, a lot of fear and a lot of shame and a lot of frustration when someone has an emergency. Like, let's be honest, people aren't going on and using this app or they're not going on and getting that personal loan when they've got a lot of time ahead of them. They're going on when they got an emergency. Their pet needs surgery or a family member is sick or they've got you know, moving expenses that they didn't expect or whatever it might be. And so when people are facing an emergency, they don't need to go through all the other BS. That's why we built our own proprietary risk score that uses AI and learns with every single transaction using metrics that you wouldn't even think to use. And I can't disclose what those are. Yep. It's kind of our little secret black box. But let me just say AI, what it has allowed people to do in terms of predictability of human behavior, and in this case, repayment, is insane. I can probably tell you what you're going to do before you know what you're going to do using what we've built. And it's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, social media does that. I, I swear to God, they put the, the worst stuff in front of me that makes me <laughs> buy, buy things for sure. Um, Chris, wh where are you at like on the MVP of this? Like, is this thing ready to go? Is it out in the marketplace? Or like, when is it going to be released to the general populace? So we, we built a fully functional demo that we've been beta testing and got through all that beta testing. Now we're building the MVP. Uh, for those of you that don't know what that means, it's your minimum viable product, right? Like what functional product are you actually going to market with? Uh, we're halfway through that build. Uh, we've got a lot of heavy beta use of the actual MVP coming up first quarter, second quarter. And then after we have troubleshooted every single little bug, every single little, you know what, because when you're moving people's money, you got to be very careful. Yeah. And so when we're done with all that late summer, we're going to release this to the world and we're going to start doing good right out of the gates. Awesome. Um, with the focus of this, are you, are you kind of focused on like real estate or small business loan type thing? Like what, what type of loan lending do you think that this is kind of aimed at? Yeah, small personal loans under $2,500. So anytime that somebody is like a paycheck away from making ends meet, so to speak, okay, we're going to step in and be able to help them in an instant. And we're really aiming. I mean, anybody can use the app, but we're really aiming for the gig economy worker because they demonstrate typically that they are some of the hardest working individuals out there, right? Uh, people Uber drive during the day and then they DoorDash at night or they work for TaskRabbit 
or they, right? Like people are out there just piecing together all these gig economy jobs and they're getting daily pay. And those are the individuals that are just a, a car breakdown away from not working for a couple of days or a sick kid. Now they can't work for a couple of days. We want to be that bridge for those individuals. Bam. I think you're putting out some cool stuff. And, and I think, you know, from, from getting to know you over the, over the years as well, a bit is, you know, I think that this is aimed at a specific people to really make a difference. Cause again, you know, we talk about, you know, the big banks as well. And you'll find this interesting. Like some of my buddies that own broker shops and mortgage companies, the big banks are literally closing their accounts and they're actually going and saying, Hey, you know, we as big bank of the country, uh, you, we find you to be a conflict of interest to actually have you banking in my bank. So we're going to close your accounts out. And when you actually look at that, you're just like, dude, that is so financially money driven that you probably, you probably could have come out with a product and been like, I think I could probably make more money doing this, but I think it's awesome that you really created this app focused at a certain gig economy that can actually make a difference and not just line your pockets. What, what, what you spot on, here's the best part. The institutions have become untrustworthy at this point. Yes. Right? They become so big, they become out of touch. This is simply matchmaking. Those that have an urgent need and those that have a heart and a few extra dollars to solve that urgent need. And it's protecting the person who's willing to bet on the person in need. And so we're finally creating solutions in the world where it's literally a good person helping a good person again, instead of a, everybody having to be at the mercy of a giant institution that says, Hey, when times are good, I'm here for you. But when times are bad, you're screwed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, we could go on all day, you know, Wells Fargo going through and closing all lines of credit, you know, because they're like, Hey, I think things are going to take a turn. It's like, well, what about everyone you just closed those lines of credit for? I bet you they're in quite the pinch now. So this happened in 2008, 2009. We saw this, right? I was in banking. I worked for, yep. at the time, the world's biggest bank. And the minute we saw stress in the system, when people needed it most, you know what the bank did? They cut everybody's credit cards. They mm-hmm. cut everyone's lines of credit. They cut everybody's HELOCs, home equity loans, from whatever available credit there was, right down to what the balance was. So even people who had been paying their bills totally on time, they go to log in. They think they got some extra money to use. And all of a sudden they see that their credit limit has been reduced to the exact balance. And that's just two things. One, it hurts your credit now, right? Because now your usage ratio is really high. Yep. And number two, when you needed that little bit of breathing room the most, it's not there. And people, I don't think they understand, this year has been a, head, a headwind. 2023 has been a headwind. Next year, 2024, will be an equal headwind, but people will feel it more. Because feeling the financial pain is always a lag indicator. Most people don't realize this. By the time you're really feeling it, yeah. It's already been happening for six months or a year. And 2024 is going to be the year that people feel it. And they're going to see this happen to their credit cards. Yep. They're going to see this happen to their lines of credit. They're going to see this happen to any available credit that they have out there. Because we're already seeing the banks start to do it. For sure. Yeah, I, I've been witnessing some stuff. I mean, going into the mortgage stuff, I think we can kick off and kind of hear a little bit about. So, I mean, we saw interest rates go from 3% to 8% in like less than six months. Uh, which is, I think was an 80% increase of just cost of Mm -hmm. housing. So same, same price, six months later, 80% more expensive. That's not including, uh, inflation and just cost of living as well. Um, so in the two thousands, you know, Chris Harder's popping into the mortgage space, uh, literally 
carves himself out as one of the top executives at one of the largest banks in the country. Walk us through that. Like, what were you going through then? What happened with 07, 08? And kind of what shifted and pivoted to take you into the, the new space, I'll say, that you've kind of been functioning in since then? This is a great story. It didn't feel great in a moment, but it's a great story for anybody out there who is maybe living a little bit beyond their means or, or thinks that, you know, they have all their eggs in one basket, et cetera. So, you know, at a very young age, I got into lending and, and banking and found myself working for the world's largest bank at the time and, and flew up through the ranks. I mean, literally one of the fastest rising executives at the world's biggest bank. And it was fun and it was high energy and it was sales driven and leading teams and traveling. And when you're young, that's a really cool thing to be caught up in. The other thing I was caught up in, though, is what was my title and what was my next promotion and how many people did I have working for me and what was I driving and where was I living and all these other things that on the surface were just shiny and shallow. But it's also, and I don't want to like go painting a broad stroke of the brush with age here, but it's very typical, especially for men in their 20s, in their late 20s, to be really caught up in those things, right? And I was caught up in them. And then when the music stopped, in 2007, 2008, when we experienced that massive banking recession, well, the music stopped and I was left holding the bag of all the debt and all the living beyond our means. And I had to go home and tell my wife, hey, babe, um, surprise, we've been living beyond our means. Uh, I lost my job today and we have to get rid of this massive house that we just built. We had to short sell. I like to joke that I made short selling cool because like, I was one of the first people to do it. And there's a crazy story there. Like a neighbor came over and he's like, what are you doing? You're going to ruin the, the values in the neighborhood. Like it was full of lots of shame at this time. So we short sold this big house that we just finished building. We had to get rid of all the cars, except for one that was so far upside down. It didn't make to get, you know, make sense to get rid of it. We had to go move into a small 900 square foot mother-in-law suite, uh, condo, like a studio apartment type thing in, in uptown Minneapolis, just to start over again. Uh, you name it. Like we had to tear the bandaid off and start from below zero. Now, I will not try and convince anybody that that feels good in the moment, but I will tell you if you think this is coming for you or if you're going through this right now or if you're afraid that this may happen to you one day, I promise it'll end up being one of the best moments of your life. It'll not feel good. I'm not going to convince you of that, but as you work through it and as you come out the other side, you'll look back on it and you realize it's one of the best moments of your life. And that's because when you are stripped of everything, your identity, your ego, your obligations, you name it, you get to choose again. And this time you get to choose, how do you want to show up in the world? This time you get to choose, how do I want to add value? This time you get to choose, like, who do I really want to be? What's important to me? What's important to the world? Because you're not caught up on this highway of bullshit anymore. I don't know if I could swear on your show or not. Yeah. Right? And so that's where Lori and I were. We got to choose again. And I remember when I came home and told Lori, and she kind of knew this was probably coming because, you know, prior to me coming home and being like, hey, babe, you know, lost my job. We got to start all over again financially. Um, I had spent a year getting up first thing every single morning, getting on an airplane, flying to some random city that I had a branch in and shutting that branch down. Right. And I, I did that. I laid off over a thousand people one by one by one to their face. Yeah. And during that year, I gained 30 pounds because I'd be miserable. I'd go back to the hotel and I'd drink and I'd eat comfort food. You name it, right? Horrible year. So Lori had an idea. This is probably coming for me at some point. And when it came, she sat there real quiet. You know, imagine telling your spouse, babe, things are worse than you thought. And we're starting over. She sat there real quiet. She didn't fly off the handle. She paused for a while. Then she looked at me and she said, 
I will never let this happen again. And something switched in her in that moment. You see, up to that moment, Travis, she never had a chance to really grow a career because I'd get a promotion every six months or 12 months. So I'd, the minute we bought a home and got settled, I'd be like, babe, we're moving to another city, pick up. You know, so she was always just buying a house, settling the house, moving the house, buying the house, settling the house, moving the house. I didn't give her a chance to, to build anything because she was supporting the pace that I was on at that time. Yeah. So she looked at me, she said, I will never let this happen again. Now, she had always been obsessed with fitness. She had always had dreams of, of being somebody big in fitness but never took any steps towards doing anything about it. But like I said, when your back's against the wall, you do things you wouldn't normally do. So what'd she do? She went out and she got a, a trainer's certification right away. And she joined one of these big box gyms, making just $6 per half hour session, learning how to train people and how to sell people on packages. She did that for six months and then said, okay, I've got just enough knowledge where I'm going to go open my own gym. Except remember, we're starting over financially. So the gym she opened was this janky basement to a chiropractor's uh, office with broken mirrors and, and the rafters and the ceiling were exposed, right? Because it's like a basement. And uh, But nonetheless, she started her own little gym right there, training one-on-one and started competing in fitness competitions. And then I'll fast forward. I won't give every detail of the story, but she went from those humble beginnings to having a beautiful gym, but more importantly, winning Miss Fitness America, Miss Bikini America, Miss Figure America. She had 11 covers of magazines. Her fitness career absolutely blew up. She had one of the first online uh, workout programs before everyone in the world had them. Like she's one of the original gangsters of that. We're making money hand over fist with her business. She had a, a supplement a network marketing team ad adjacent to it. Like the, the, our dipping our toes into our comeback turned into, into an absolute rocket ship. Thanks to her having that moment saying, you know what? It's my time. I'm never going to let this happen again. For sure. Do you, would you say that it was that moment that took your guys's backs against the wall that, that caused this? Was it just like a no choice, like bam, flip no the switch? Choice. No choice, but to reinvent ourselves, figure out how we wanted to get back in the game and then get back in the game in a really strong way. I'm telling you these these catastrophic moments happen for you, not to you. And you probably heard that before. It's a very recycled comment, but I can give you example after example after example that these catastrophic seemingly disasters are really just opportunities disguised in work clothes. It's funny. Uh, John D. Rockefeller wrote this, this series of letters to his son. And in these series of letters, one of them, he's quoted as saying, uh, you know, disasters are just opportunities and work clothes. And that's exactly what this is when you're in this type of situation. You got to put on those dirty overalls. You got to do the things you're not going to want to do. You got to get dirty. You got to get messy. But there's so much opportunity in that. Where did, where did he publish those letters? There's a new book that's out that has all of those letters that he wrote to his son published uh, for you to read through. It's really cool. Okay. I'll check it out for sure. Uh, I mean, okay, so you've actually come in and talked to my organization in real estate. So we are at this time in a extremely, you said it, like volatile season. Next year, um, everyone's predicting like rates to soften and things to like, I'm planning for next year to be at like, I'm actually planning mentally for it to be more volatile and crazier than this year, just so that you plan worst case, hope for the best and you know, you'll be good to go. Um, so Year to date, we've had 30% of real estate agents already leave. 50% of mortgage bankers, I think in the year, last year and a half have exited. 
Yeah. More to come. And it's just an interesting time in terms of that because you literally came on and I remember you, you talking and you're like, you guys are printing money. And, I, and you said it in such a way that you were like, I've seen this before. You guys are here printing money. And we were. And it's, I think there's opportunity that, that is going to happen with that though. Even, even now, and, and it's also interesting because I think during that time, and again, I'm not, I swear men, younger men go through this. I actually went through a very similar time, but I had, we were living in way too much house, way too many cars. Luckily, I went through some stuff and like uh, an organization that we talked about offline, like Warrior, to where they were like, hey, what you're doing stupid, you need to. And so I, I managed to go get kicked in the face and gain that clarity to where I was like, oh my God, I'm living beyond my means. I need to make ma major shifts. I was literally running my own Better Homes and Gardens franchise. And it just, I was looking at A and Z where I know I'm going. And this is where like, I think you're there or you might not be there yet, but you're definitely have hit success. But I did, I, I basically, I checked our ego. And, and I think you did that to where in those moments, you checked your ego, you took it, you folded it up, put it away. And it was, it was a breath of fresh air. And we, at that time, we relocated from Hawaii to Colorado to kind of like start new-ish. Mm -hmm. I guess like we caught it before our backs were against the wall, but I knew where, where we were heading. And it was just like breath of fresh air. How do you want to move forward like new? See, most people aren't forward-looking enough, and most people aren't willing to sacrifice their ego in order to make the moves you did before it's catastrophic. Most people will wait until they are sitting in the absolute disaster before they make these changes. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? That's my story. But to everybody who sees this coming and says, okay, I'm going to do something about it earlier than the average person, that's just a head start. That just means you don't have to get as low as you are about to get, which means your recovery doesn't have to be as daunting as it will be if you wait. So I've got so much respect for people like yourself who are able to look at the future and say, okay, it's going to hurt my ego, but I've got to make these changes before I'm forced to make these changes. And it's tough to do it before you're forced to. Humans are, are great storytellers and they tell themselves stories that maybe this will change. Maybe some miracle show up. Maybe you know, I'm going to get a windfall, maybe, 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 and they'll maybe themselves to death until death actually happens. Yeah. And so to individuals like you or anyone listening that can say, Hey, I see rough times ahead. I don't like the track that I'm on. It's probably going to mean that I have to sell a house or this truck that I love or get out of the city that, you know, I've, I've hung my hat on as my identity, whatever it is, don't be afraid to take a few steps back to get a running start. It's a lot easier to do that than waiting until everything has absolutely collapsed around you. Absolutely. And I think people do that because they look at the ego as almost its own third person that they're protecting, which you got to get away from that. So, well, Travis, you know, I've, I've always said ego is your greatest overhead. It's going to cost you more in life than anything else. Your ego will cost you way more than a bad investment. That's for sure. Your ego will cost you way more than any bad decisions or bad risks. That's for sure. Your ego causes you to speak up when you shouldn't. 
and sometimes you burn bridges. Your ego causes you to not speak up when you should because you're, you know, what will they think of me if I say something? Your ego causes you to make moves you wouldn't normally make. It causes you to buy things you shouldn't be buying. It causes you to say yes when you should be saying no. And it causes you to say no when you should be saying yes. Your ego will always cost you more than anything else on this freaking planet. So if you can learn to get that into control, if you can learn to separate yourself from that and say, you know what, I'm feeding the wrong thing. I need to feed my future. I need to feed my bank account. I need to feed my family instead of feeding my ego. If you can do that, man, you're going to be on that winner's pace. Bam. And we're going to talk about that winner's pace with you and some of the stuff you have coming up. Real quick, just a background, Chris, if you can, like, where are you from? Where are you living? I know you're kind of like bouncing, bouncing around multiple locations. Give us a rundown, like where you're at in the country right now. And then we're going to hop into some other things too. So right now, uh, my wife and I split time between basically three places. Home on paper is in Scottsdale, Arizona area. And uh, we tend to spend the cool months there. And then we also have a place in Newport Beach. Matter of fact, right when I hang up with you, I'm buying another place in Newport Beach, going to close on a home. It's crazy, the schedule. And uh, then in addition to that, we have a lake house that we spend uh, two and a half to three months uh, up in Wisconsin every single summer. So we kind of float between those th- three places. The reason why we go to the lake house in Wisconsin, to answer your question, is because I'm uh, Wisconsin born and raised, mostly in the Green Bay, Door County area, spent a little time in Milwaukee twice. And my wife is from the Midwest as well. And so we like to go up there to live that lake life that I grew up with. You know, we work all day in summer and then we go out and, and we go wake surfing till the sunset every single day. And it's just a great way to get in touch with our roots and get in touch with where we're from. And I really believe that each area of the country has a lot to offer you. And each area of the country has something different to offer you. And if you just spend all your time in sunny California, you're going to have a skewed vision of the world and you miss opportunities. Or if you spend all your time in the Midwest, you're going to have a skewed vision of the world. You're going to miss opportunities. So we like to make sure that we are taking significant stops in each of the few areas so we can have a great well-rounded life and a great well-rounded vision. Absolutely. And we can talk about that for two seconds too. It's like life by design. I think so many people plant roots in one location, in one place. um, And they look at owning a home or whatever as like such a permanent thing. So like, how did you create your life to allow for multiple locations, work wherever you want um, type freedom? The first thing is, you got to know what you want, right? Lori and I knew that we wanted to be by the ocean, but we knew that we wanted to be by family and families in Scottsdale for the most part. And we knew that we wanted to keep our Midwest roots and, and have that lake life. And, and we've got family up there in the summer. So you have to first know what you want and then work backwards from whatever that vision is. I'm a huge believer that no matter what you want, if you build a set of tracks working backwards, then there's no stopping you from getting there unless you stop yourself. If you don't do the work, if you don't take the risk, but it's very easy to build a set of tracks working backwards from where you want to end up. Now it'll take you longer to get there than you think. I think a lot of people think that they can get to their end goal quicker and then they get frustrated and they give up because it doesn't happen as quick as they want. I'm telling you momentum is the craziest thing. It is momentum is the hardest thing to get going, but it's the most valuable thing you can have. And then unfortunately it's the easiest thing you can lose. And so everyone out there, they're like, man, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to build this life. But it takes so long to get that momentum that they give up early. They don't realize that if you just give it two times, three times the effort and two times, three times the amount of time that you originally planned, you absolutely will get there. And that's how we ended up in this situation where we got to design where we want to be, when we want to be in the types of homes and the type of capacity that we want to be there. You know, and we're still not done. Our vision always changes. We keep moving the finish line. It's what 
excites Lori and I. And so every time that we get to a place that was once our finish line, we've already moved that finish line to a brand new vision and a brand new life. And we're pursuing that. We see our next vision. We're working backwards, you know, on, uh, on how we're going to get there. And it's, it's the pursuit of goals, I believe, that makes people happy. It's not where you are in the moment. It's, it's no certain accomplishment. It is the pursuit of something exciting that makes humans happy. For sure. The process, not necessarily the result. Um, how often do you guys reevaluate your goal and vision, you'd say? It's always a moving target. Lori and I are dreamers. And we provide a lot of time for us to dream. We go on dream dates where we're literally out on the date just dreaming about like, hey, what do we want next? What's the future like? Uh, we walk together every single day that we're both you know, in the same town. We've been traveling a lot lately. But if we're in the same town, we, we walk the dogs for three miles in the morning before we start our day. And then we walk the dogs for three miles in the evening when we end our day. Non-negotiable every day. And those are these two containers for us to dream and be aware of. Matter of fact, we do the nerdiest freaking thing on these walks. On the morning walk, we do something that we call the power nine. Out loud, we say three things we're grateful for that day, three things we're excited for that day, and three things we want to manifest in the near future. And because we do that every day, we're hyper aware of what the other person wants. We're hyper aware of what the other person's excited about. And we're hyper aware of what the other person's grateful for, right? So we're locked in on where what we're grateful for right now, but we're also locked in on, hey, what do we want to manifest? What do we want to make happen in the near future? And it's having that habit that creates the conversation, that creates the dreaming in those containers twice a day, every single day. And you've got to, just like, you know, when you're working in your business, you forget to get outside and work on your business. So you miss all this obvious low-hanging fruit. It's the yep. same thing with life. When you are just living in life, making it all happen, and you're not creating moments to get outside of your life and look in on it, you're going to miss a lot of obvious low-hanging fruit. So we've done a good job of creating containers to be able to take that time out and say, hey, what's next? What do we want? What's missing? What would excite us? And then getting laser focused on that. For sure. And I think you said it like as far as the amount of time that people underestimate of how long it takes. I think failures too. They, they don't realize that, oh, I'm going to fail four different ways before the fifth time. And I actually mm -hmm. hit that yep. type concept. So just my wife, you know, right now she's in a, in a great big pivot. She spent two and a half years building an alcohol and non-alcoholic company that never launched, never came out. It was always this close and then boom, another wall, this close, then boom, another wall, this close, then boom, another wall. And I watched her have two and a half years of the worst years of her life in business. But she gave it more time than the average person would, pivoted smartly, and is about to absolutely crush it with the launch of, of her new hydration sticks that are an entire skin routine and a drink, right? Yep. And people are more excited about that than they were about her other business. So you have to have the staying power and the stamina to get through the muck and the mud until you get to where you want to go or until you come up with a better way of getting there. Same thing with me, right? I mean, I was, what, 30 years old-ish, give or take a year, when we lost everything. And it took a while to come back. Travis, I remember being, you know, remember I stripped of my identity and what I thought was important to me and all that. And Lori said, hey, I got this. Mm -hmm. Well, while she was saying, hey, I got this, I remember spending a couple of years being like, I don't know what I want next. 
I took a partnership in a mortgage bank, not because I was excited about it, because I didn't know anything else. Yeah. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I lost my identity. I lost my excitement. I lost everything. And so I can't state enough how people need to have a longer term vision and they need to be able to toughen up a little bit and they need to be able to to wade through the mud and the muck a little bit more than they have allowed themselves to do so if they really want to get to this extraordinary life worth living. For sure. Sorry. And I, I keep taking side tangents here because I'm generally interested. I, um, I like it. Keep it running. So you're in the mortgage industry. It's all you know. It's your identity, your sales focused. Again, I'm in, I'm in the real estate. At what point did you have the clarity, the certainty to be like, I'm now doing this. The I'm sure, I'm sure the passion you could strike right back up if you needed to. But at what point were you like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to take a step into this direction. Like, where was that for you? You're saying, when did I walk away from banking and lending? Like, you, you took the partnership basically because it was what you knew. But at what point, like, were you like, I'm going to leave this and I'm going to get into business, coaching? I think people need to really hear this next part. I took that partnership in this tiny little mortgage brokerage at the time because I didn't think I was good enough for any other opportunities out there. Right, we're in the middle of a recession. It's a banking recession. My entire background is banking. I was kicked out of college, so I didn't have a college degree. I mean, I had story after story after story that were nothing but a bunch of limiting beliefs that I wasn't I wasn't good enough for anything else. I had other dreams, but my confidence and my swagger and my ability, you know, you said, well, you could probably just like choose to to get motivated at any time. No, I couldn't. I couldn't find it, Travis. I took the path of least resistance, the opportunity in front of me, because I just had lost any drive to take a more daring one. So I took that partnership for the wrong reason. And uh, it was a gentleman I used to work with. Uh, he had left about a year before I got fired. And he started this little mortgage brokerage. And uh, it was just like four guys in a shop. And, and when he heard that I lost my job, he came to me and he said, hey, Chris, listen, I've worked with you a long time, you know, a prior job. And you're good at the things I'm not. And I'm good at the things you're not. I've started this little mortgage brokerage over here. And I think if you came over here, we could make this thing really special. Now, he was right and he was wrong. He was right in the fact that our complementary skill sets actually really worked out. At the tail end of recession, when everybody else was closing their shop, when everybody else was closing their business, we actually took that thing from a low mortgage brokerage into a massive mortgage bank doing almost $400 million a year in loans um, ourselves lending our own money out off our own warehouse lines when nobody else had warehouse lines. Like we got it figured out. Every time someone else's shop would close down, we'd employ those individuals. Um, I mean, we had it dialed in. And the problem that started to arise was the very opposites that made us fill each other's weaknesses were the same opposites that made us want to lead and steer the vision of the company differently. Got it. And he was a little bit more of a risk taker. Now, I have a very high risk tolerance, but I don't like to go to jail. Um, I say that kind of tongue in cheek, but he's a little bit more of a risk taker. And, and I was not willing to take risks in those areas. And the more that, um, you know, the, the, the business got bigger, the more I saw things I didn't want to be a part of. So I ended up selling out to him and my partners, my equity, 
uh, for pennies on the dollar. You know, maybe I probably got 5% of what I should have gotten because it had gotten so toxic between the two of us that I knew I had to get out of there and, and come home and start something new. So I came home and I said, you know, Lori sold my shares. Look, got a little check and I'm coming home to, to help you put rocket fuel into the rocket that you're already on. And that became, you know, I really just was behind the scenes in Lori's brand after that for a few years. And then I got bored. Then I got antsy again. Then I started to get that swagger back. And I said, wait, wait a minute. I, I'm tired of being behind the scenes. I used to be a, a out in front of the scenes kind of individual. And that's when the fire started to come back. So Travis, I want you to look at that timeline. Mm-hmm. This was a year of losing my swagger while I'm flying around the country, firing everybody. And then a year of, you know, losing my swagger while we're short selling the house and walking away from the rental properties to get rid of all the cars and moving into a little apartment. And then two to three years of, you know, taking the, a partnership for the wrong reasons and that being toxic. We're talking like four years here of not feeling that mojo, of not feeling that confidence, of not wanting to be out front and kick ass again. So people need to understand, like, if you're not feeling it, it's okay. But now here's what started to change it for me. You, can, you don't have to wait four years. You could, you could go faster than I did. What started to change it for me was we went to this self-development weekend-long workshop. And it was the first real piece of self-development that I had ever done in my life. I mean, cripes, I'm, what am I at this point? 31 when I go or 32. And uh, that weekend changed everything for me. I mean, everything. And I wanted more self-development. So we go to Tony Robbins UPW. I wanted more self-development. So we go to this way. I want more. And, I go to th- and it was this quest of motivation and this quest of, of changing my life and this quest of seeking the, the right answers that started to fuel me again and say, damn it, I'm ready for my own rocket ship again. So you don't have to take as long as I did. You can go speed these things up by going and putting yourself in the right rooms, by putting yourself in the right crowds, by putting yourself around the right people. But I didn't know to do that until I suffered for a few years. For sure. But you're an overnight success, Chris. Oh, of course, right? It all happens overnight. You, you know why people say people are overnight success because they don't know you until you're successful. Correct. Yeah. Isn't four four years of suffering. You yeah. suffered for four years. Yep. For sure. Uh, in light of, actually, I have three agents currently at UPW right this second. It oh, came. that's awesome! I got some friends there right now. Okay. Um, can I ask what was that first one that you went to? If you don't mind yeah, saying, no, I don't mind at all. It was something called Landmark Forum. I think okay. they're still around, and. Uh, they teach some really good stuff. It also feels a little bit like you're getting stuck in this, you know, they keep selling you to the next one. They want you to sell all your friends and sell all this stuff. So if you can eat the fruit and spit out the seeds, yeah. there's some really good stuff there and it changed my life. I think that's true with a lot of places. I mean, I love Tony Robbins. I love UPW and all of his stuff. But when you go to his event, you are seeing a 20-year perfected, yeah. machine. You're you're going to go and get massive value. But when you see his sales funnel, and as a business professional, you have to recognize these things and admire them. Yeah. And when he's like, hey, upsell, I'm selling this next thing. And you see 500 people get in line to go pay $10,000. You're like, he's got, and he he's done the work. He's been doing this for what, like 40 years. So 
you got to give it to him for sure. Well, and, and I'll tell you what, he's really skyrocketed since 2020. So uh, my friend Dean Graciosi is a president of Tony Robbins International and, and Tony's business partner. Yep. He's a dear friend of mine. And, and so I've seen behind the curtain, I've seen the engine, I've seen the marketing plan and all these things. They have, you know, 2020 was catastrophic. Tony was an events program, right? And all of a sudden you couldn't do events, but they made some pivots. They made some bold moves and all of a sudden they doubled their business and then they doubled it again. And now yep. they're probably going to double it again. So it's just fascinating when you get your actual sales funnel and your right people, you know, partnered up. It's amazing what can happen. For sure. All right, Chris. I mean, I, I, I can keep going. We are, we're just ca- catching some great stuff. I want to hear real quick. So besides the app, we've heard your story. Uh, amazing entrepreneur, business professional, sales guru. Um, what, what do you guys have coming out next? I, I know you guys have this dinner series that looks amazing. Like I'm going to show Nisa and see if we can go. You have the the mastermind coming up for 2024 with limited seats. Like, tell us a little bit about what's coming out. So I, I always say I've got two full-time jobs. I really do. You know, Frello, the peer-to-peer lending app, that's my main full-time job. That's my baby right now. But a good close adjacent to that is my personal brand that I've had for years now, right? The podcast that leads into the entrepreneurial events. And Lori and I have two really freaking awesome events. We've got something called the Dinner Series, which is straight high-level networking, where you literally change your network overnight by plugging into ours over the course of three half days of network exercising together, and then followed by three really elegant, high-end, super experiential dinners, because all of our great stuff has come over breaking bread at dinner. Heck, my business partner, Matt, came from going to a dinner like this you know, five, six years ago. So um, that's the Dinner Series. It's Literally, if, if someone's like, God, I can't find people that get me or I feel like I've outgrown my my tribe or I feel like uh, I, I'm missing connections, ideas, pieces. Those are the people that are coming here to say, oh, I want Chris and Lori's network to be my network. It's like changing it overnight. And then the other thing is the elite mastermind. The elite mastermind is different than that. The elite mastermind is it's much smaller. It's more intimate. It's for entrepreneurs that are seven figures or eight figures. Technically, the floor is you have to be a $500,000 earner and up but almost everyone in there seven and eight figure earners. And that's where I really roll up my sleeves with this small group of people. And we lock arms for the entire year, getting each other's back, you know, uh, planning each other's businesses, uh, connecting each other to our, our most insider relationships. And that, that rising tide lifts all ships. Bam, for sure. I'm, I'm hitting the point. I've, I've been hitting the point where one of my full-time jobs is trying to surround myself with the right people. And I think, I think I saw you say it, but it's, it is, I don't want to say pay to play. I've, you've got to sometimes pay to get surrounded by the right people. You like pay for proximity. So, yeah. so I didn't say it. You know, what's crazy. Someone that bought that enrolled in the dinner series yesterday, they posted on their social media, this cool woman named Jenna, she posted and tagged me. She's like, Hey, just enrolled in the dinner series. She goes, I am paying for proximity so that I can accelerate my opportunity. And I like, wow, she's genius. She's paying for proximity to Lori and I. She's paying for proximity to our friends that are coming. She's paying for proximity to the celebrity friends that are going to be there. She's paying for proximity to the other brilliant entrepreneurs that are like, hey, I'm just as hungry as you. She's paying for proximity so that she can have access to opportunity that she wouldn't have otherwise. And so I was just sharing her thing yesterday. And I was like, this woman's brilliant. That is the shortcut. Every great thing. Travis, I don't care if it's your group, our group, someone else's group. Go to UPW. I don't care whose it is. Go to somebody something and make sure it's a damn good high level something. Because everything that we have has come from us being in proximity 
of someone doing better than us and willing to help us out. Hands down. None of it came from us. Sure, the consistency, we've put that in, the hard work, we put that in, but the ideas, the shortcuts, the the assists, the connections, those have come from proximity. 100%. And human nature, I'll say this too, because it's like, I bring you into my group to help. And I actually bring other high level individuals in there. It's like, if a billionaire told me, you need to read these hundred books. And I know, I know you've read 30 books in 30 days um, early on. I will read those hundred books. Like, like th- they're going to get read. And I'm so shocked that I, I bring people like yourself. And I was like, Hey, bunch of salespeople, like Chris has a mastermind coming out that he, there's a couple seats left. And I'm so shocked that no one, I don't want to say no one, but like very few people actually like commit to that thing to where pay for proximity. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like it, it's just a shocking thing to me. Um, Chris, to be respectful of your time, cause I know you got to get going and go close on the house, which is yeah. freaking awesome. And I'm super stoked for you to, we'll kind of end, end with two things. So like, I know we've actually talked about some of like the, the difficult times when you look back at like your journey from there, we'll just call it there to here. What would be like, the hardest time where you're like, dude, I just didn't want to get out of bed in the morning or like, what was that hardest time? And like the little grain of overcoming that. And then after that, we'll go what your biggest pearl is for all of our listeners in business. Let's start with the hardest times. And you're, I think you're going to laugh because they're opposites. The hardest time that someone will have in their life, and I'm speaking from experience, is clearly the loss of a, of a loved one you care about. I lost my dad unexpectedly in June of 2020. And I was depressed for longer than I expected. I was grieving for longer than I expected. Um, it really threw me off my game way more than I ever expected. So that that's the obvious answer. But I'll tell you, adjacent to that, right? Because that's loss. The loss of your identity and the loss of perceived opportunity, like back when we lost everything, that's the first hardest time. Because you don't want to get out of bed because you don't know what to do next. You don't know where you're going to get the drive to do something next. You don't know where you're going to get the confidence to do something next. Everything feels so daunting at that point that you feel like, God, even if I go work hard today, so I'm going to put a dent in it. So why try? So that's, that's the first hardest time. The second hardest time is when you're on the other end, on the other end of that spectrum and, and everything you've ever wished for and wanted to build comes true. And now you're like, I don't know how I'm going to get through today. I don't know how I'm going to get from this city to this meeting, to this city, to this meeting, and to another city, to another dinner, which was me the other day. <laughs> like, it's so daunting sometimes that I'll say to Lori, I'm like, babe, I don't, I don't know how, if I can do another day of this. Now, here's the difference. When you are sitting there with nowhere to go but up, that's an opportunity, but that's also probably a much tougher place to be. On the opposite end that I just described, when all your dreams are coming true at once, what makes it difficult is it feels chaotic. It feels busy. But boy, the toughest part is remembering that you once prayed for this or wished for this or begged for this and staying in gratitude. Gratitude is what will make you snap right back into action and say, damn it, other people would give anything to to have this many appointments. I better get my ass going again. Boom. No, absolutely. And actually in this in this group I'm at, it was, yeah, 
you have nothing, you have to work for more. And then those that have everything worry about the loss. Yeah. And it was interesting because there was three of us and it was like, I, I'm right in the middle and I've kind of experienced both of these things to where I'm like, yeah, dude, I have enough to where it would hurt to lose, but I have more. So it is an interesting concept in terms of that. And now Chris, wrap us up with like, what is like the biggest pearl that like you would give our listeners? Like, this is the biggest advice I give you for 2024. Bam. Spend this year being absolutely laser focused on gathering as many new high level relationships and building as much relationship capital as you possibly can, because nothing is more valuable than relationship capital. You can be totally broke, but if you have good relationship capital, then that means people will come to your rescue. It means people will invest in your new idea. That means people will lift you up. It means people will give you a loan. It means people will give you a job. It means people will send you customers, right? Because you have relationship capital. So relationship capital is by far, hands down, the most important capital that you can spend this entire next year focusing on gathering and putting in the bank, so to speak. Bam. Who, not, how. That's it. That's it. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, Chris, uh, thank you so much for your time, man. I'm, I'm trying to be respectful here. We, you've just brought so much fire to all of our listeners, which I'm super grateful for. You've got to go close on your house. Yeah. Um, Besides that, man, thank you so much for your time. We look forward to having you on a follow-up episode, or I'll definitely reach out to you on some of this mastermind stuff because I'm talking with Nisa on our 2024, and she's basically like, pay to get in any rooms you can next year. Yeah. So I'm excited, my man. I, we, we really hope you do. I mean, I'm a big fan of the rocket ship that you guys are on, and, and I know we can put a lot of fuel in that thing. Awesome. Well, yeah, I like, look forward to kind of shifting and pivoting outside and diversifying away from the real estate into other business industries. So let's go. You can't have all your eggs in one basket. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much listeners. Remember as always coffees for closers. I hope you guys enjoyed episode with Chris today. Enjoyed this episode of coffee for closers. Subscribe to the show anywhere you find podcasts and follow collab agents on social at collab agents. <laughs>